Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. That is hammered. Deep left. At the wall. Gone. Long home run. Paul Goldschmidt. Number 20 this year. As Goldie lifts it down the right field line. And that is gone. It's all Paul Goldschmidt today. Newt Bar hits it right side. Base hit. The Cardinals win it. The rookie comes through. And the Cardinals would win that game by the final of 3-2. to two. They found a win to split the series with Detroit. Wasn't pretty. Doesn't matter. They won the game, and now they are three and a half out in the wild card because no one wants to take control of that second spot. There's BK. I'm Danny Mack. Lots to get into on the show as we'll visit with Matt Capps. Former uh, reliever in the big leagues, a lot of time spent with the Pittsburgh Pirates and now working as a broadcaster with the Pirates. And we've talked to Matt Capps before, so looking forward to that as we get you set for baseball. And they have a important now 10-game road trip coming up. Starts tonight with the Pirates, first to four against Pittsburgh. You can see it on Valley Sports beginning at 5.30. Miles Michaelis, his third start of the year, second since returning off the IL. And uh, the Cardinals have four in Pittsburgh. Then they'll go to Cincinnati for three and wrap it up three with Milwaukee. So really a defining uh, road trip potentially coming up for St. Louis after what we thought could be a defining homestand in which they didn't play well. But again, no one is running away with it. And good morning, BK. Good morning, Dan. It was not a very good homestand. They scored 25 runs in the homestand, eight of which came in their win against Milwaukee. That is an average of 2.4 runs per game in the other seven games. And it includes two shutouts. Not great. That being said, as you mentioned there, Dan, nobody in this wild card race seems to want that second wild card spot. So if you're a Cardinals fan and you woke up today, I can totally understand if you're like, you know what? I'm done scoreboard watching for now. Jack Flaherty got hurt. Cardinals aren't playing that well. They're struggling right now with even the worst teams. I'm not look. They're three and a half back. I mean, if this was any other year, we'd be talking about it. We'd be saying, like, forget what happened up until this point, Dan. If you just look at the race today, they're right in this thing. They've got every opportunity to be able to make the postseason despite what's been an unbelievably frustrating year. So 37 games left. They've got 21 on the road starting tonight, 17, now 16 left at home. Uh, To the greater point of what you were talking about, it's about runners in scoring position. Again, the bullpen does a very good job in the ballgame yesterday with the exception of Alex Reyes. So you had John Lester give you five. Garcia now is like 16 in a third consecutive scoreless innings. He had the sixth. Genesis Cabrera, scoreless seventh. Giovanni Gallego, scoreless eighth. Reyes got the first two in the ninth. And then a pinch hit double by Miguel Cabrera. Then Willie Castro comes off the bench and he singles to center. That brings in Cabrera. So they tie the game up. We go to the 10th and really where the game was won in my mind. Now you start a runner at second base. What the 
Detroit Tigers had done. They had brought in Soto to pitch. So he was in your first position in the lineup. So you don't go with the pitcher running at second base. So you go back to Castro, who had the game-tying hit. The game was won, in my opinion, when you look at the play made by Dylan Carlson in right field and the fact that Castro does not tag up. How does he not tag up on that play? So it's a ball that is on the run, a catch made at uh, the track, essentially on the run. It's a really good play because if the ball gets over him, Willie Castro with his speed scores anyway. If the ball is caught, which it is, and you're standing at second base, you tag up, you go to third. Now the infield has to be brought in with one out. He was halfway between second and third. It was a base running mistake. They walk uh, Robbie Grossman. Then they get off the bat of Candelario, a 5-4-3 double play. McFarland, by the way, pitched the 10th. He has not allowed a run in 18 and two-thirds. Now you look at what happens in the bottom of the 10th for the Cardinals. They have a runner, which was Tommy Edmond at second base. They're not going to pitch to Paul Goldschmidt, who had homered twice. They intentionally walk him. Carlson lines out to left. Grossman, a really good play that saved the game at that point. They don't pitch to Nolan Arenado, who is intentionally walked. They load it up, and all of a sudden, DeYoung can't bring him in. Ground ball to second, force play at the plate, and then it's Lars Newtbar. He picks up the hit, picks up the win for St. Louis. It's pretty unbelievable, honestly. Uh, I always wanted to know what it felt like, but uh, now it's here. Um, obviously, you know, it's a walk-off, so it always comes in a win, so that's always nice going on the road. Uh, big, big road stand ahead of us, so... You know, just just glad we can go in there with uh, with a little bit of momentum and glad we got the one. And Mike Schilt knows after watching what took place in the homestand, by my count, they went 13 for either 64 or 65 with runners in scoring position. That cannot happen. And with the good pitching that they're getting, the offense, you know what? It's got to pick up. We haven't created a lot of margin for error for ourselves. You know, we don't we don't scratch enough runs consistently. To feels like every night, man, we got to play almost ideally you know, airtight, and we pretty much did today. And pitch and defense were great. Lester was tremendous. And it's a four-game series starting tonight. I'm going to assume that KK, I had not heard officially, will get the start uh, in game four of that series for Flaherty. So it lines up with Michaelis tonight against Mitch Keller. Keller was very good against the Cardinals last start. Jay Happ against Dylan Peters, pair of lefties. Wainwright, Stephen Brault will go in game three. That's on Saturday. Adam Wainwright has been dominant against the Pirates this year. Will Crow goes in game four, right-handed pitcher for the Pirates. We'll see if KK goes in game four, but it sets the stage. You're three and a half out with the Pirates, first to four tonight at PNC. Got to win all four. This is one of those series, Dan, that after you lost two out of three against Pittsburgh in the first time around and then you only split the series against Detroit, you've put yourself in this spot. And it's difficult. It's not going to be an easy thing to do. I know the Pirates aren't a very good team, but as they showed us last week, last weekend rather, they are a team that can take advantage of your mistakes. And I thought the quote from Mike Schilt was really interesting that we just heard. The Cardinals do not have a large margin for error. And the reason for that is because their offense has been so up and down, so hit and miss this season. When you're not scoring runs, it feels like every pitch is a high leverage situation, whether that be for your starter or your relievers. Every defensive play needs to be made. Every base running mistake is magnified by that mu- to that much greater of a, of a degree. The Cardinals need to get the offense going. Otherwise, they're going to be in a spot like they are right now where the rest of the season 
it just ends up being an up and down situation where you have that rubber band effect getting you back to 500. So I asked Craig Amsinger, he was part of the morning show today, about uh, this upcoming series and road trip for the Cardinals. This is must sweep. they got to get those wins back they lost two or three. They've got to win all four of these games. If they win all four of these games, then they're proving to everyone that they're worthy of being a playoff team. So I'm not even going to look further past the Steel City. This four-game set will define the season of the St. Louis Cardinals. If they're a legit playoff team, they have to sweep. Keeps you in the race. Certainly does that. And after the four-game series is when it gets really tough. You got Cincinnati. Then you go to Milwaukee. Then you come home with four against the Dodgers. So you still have, going into this road trip, 10 remaining, 10 of the 37 games remaining against Milwaukee, who essentially could define what happens for St. Louis. But it's not easy. So take care of business against a lesser team right now in the Pirates that are trying to figure out, is Susugo a everyday player? Is Hoy Park a shortstop, second baseman, outfielder? Is he even a major league? I mean, they're trying to figure things out here. This is when you have to take advantage of it. Yeah, for sure. And, Diana, we I have made the mistake over the last month or so of paying so much attention to the schedule, right? We talked about the easy portion of the schedule and how it gets a lot more difficult down the stretch. It's no longer about the schedule. It's about the Cardinals and what to what degree they are playing their game. And what I mean by that is if the Cardinals are playing well, if Nolan Arenado is hitting, if Paul Goldschmidt continues on what is an unbelievable tear right now, if you're able to get consistent strike throwing out of your starting pitching, you're going to have a chance down the stretch to be able to make the playoffs. And that would be the case whether you're playing the Pirates in the Tigers in the Royals or if you're going up against these quality opponents. It doesn't matter at this point who you go up against. you got to be able to play your game. And if you don't, you weren't going to make the playoffs regardless of who was on the opposition. By the way, the Cardinals bullpen, the fewest walks allowed now in the last month. And if they had that in June, oh. shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? But if they had that kind of pitching uh, in June, man a different story right now they just could not throw strikes at that point but their pitching is giving them a chance to win these games and now it's going back to the age-old question of this season where's the offense well the offense had been shut down for the most part because nolan arnato had a really rough homestand harrison bader for the most part really rough homestand carrying them right now has been paul goldschmidt goldschmidt's the reason he won that game yesterday Mm -hmm. i mean there's other reasons as we spoke of but I mean, Paul Goldschmidt, two home runs, now 21 on the season, and he's up to 73 driven in, and his OPS here in the month of August is ridiculous. I mean, he is carrying the Cardinals offensively here down the stretch. It's funny, Dan. You you look at it, and he's up to Paul Goldschmidt types of numbers. He's batting 285. He's got an on-base percentage nearing 350, and his slugging percentage is about 470 now. This is Paul Goldschmidt. Like, what we expected out of him coming into the season – It always happens in a roundabout way, but by the end of the season with guys like Goldie and Arenado, they tend to be right around those career norms. And even if that means a month where they just look completely lost at the plate, as Goldie did early in the season, he just didn't look like himself. I wonder if he was compromised. I think he was. With something. When he missed that opening day here in St. Louis, the home opener, that was when I feel like it was them publicly announcing, hey, He's not right, mm-hmm. and he will, he'll will he be fine, but he wasn't right at that now, point. he has been historically a very slow starter for whatever reason, which, again, was the, the case this season for whatever reason. But, man, has he been good here down the stretch. 
It's been nasty, dude. It's been awesome. Yeah. Um, and same thing is true for Nolan Arenado. He's gone through this weird dry spell last couple of weeks now. I fully anticipate he's going to get out of yep. this here pretty soon because that's what you expect out of guys like Arenado and Goldie. So four against Pittsburgh beginning tonight, then three against Cincinnati, three against Milwaukee. And we'll talk about what's happening with the Pirates, what to expect going into tonight. Uh, Matt Capps, former reliever in the big leagues and a lot of good years with Pittsburgh will be our guest. He's now working as an analyst for the Pirates. So looking forward to that visit coming up next. This is the Danny Mac show with BK, the podcast powered by I promise. Chance to talk it over with Matt Capps, former major leaguer, really good years with Pittsburgh and now working as an analyst for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And we've had him on the air before and he was so good. We brought him back again and the Cardinals are in Pittsburgh tonight for the first of four. And uh, Matt, thanks for hopping on the airwaves here in St. Louis on 101 ESPN. How you doing? What's up, guys? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, tell us about the Pirates right now. I mean, I, I'm watching a bunch of guys, and I'm not sure are major league players or could be major league players or the future of the Pirates. How would you describe the Pittsburgh Pirates going into this series? Well, they're in the big leagues right now. They're big leaguers. All major league players right now as we're speaking. And, you know, there's some talent. There's some talent in there. Maybe there's some guys that are up before they should be up. Uh, but that's just kind of the nature of the beast when – you go into a rebuild like we've uh, openly gone into. And you know what? The thing that's most impressive about this team, and I was talking about it here last night, they're a fun group of guys to watch play. You never feel like you're out of anything. There's always life. I think that's a testament to the culture that Derek Shelton has created around this ball club. He's got guys playing hard. Uh, and they never quit. You know, you line them up toe-to-toe. Maybe, to your point, we're a little outmanned. But uh, these guys are going out there and they're competing and, and they're fun to watch. And right now they're playing good baseball. Hey, Matt, I'm going to put you on hold for a second. We're going to have our producer, Tanner, try to get a better connection with you. It's a little difficult to hear you right now. So we're going to put Matt Caps on hold here for just a minute. And we'll try to get a better connection uh, with him so that way we can hear him a little bit better there. Dan, I'm interested in this series to see how the Cardinals respond after hopefully gaining a little bit of momentum yesterday because – they they had been struggling offensively. They still were even yesterday. You look at that game. They ended up basically having Paul Goldschmidt hit a couple of homers and producing nothing otherwise. But maybe the ending, the way that Lars Newtbar was able to come up with the big hit, which they had been missing so dramatically over the course of this homestand, maybe that's something that can get them going, especially seeing the Pirates once again, who they've had pretty decent success with for the most part this year. So it's about momentum, right? And mm-hmm. New Bar gives them that momentum after Scooble yesterday was just shutting down the Cardinals. And then, you know, maybe to Matt's point, it's a, a team that when you think about the Pirates, they go for broke. There's nothing to lose. And some of these young players have a little fun. So we'll see if that's the, the case starting tonight. And we've got Matt Caps back on the line. Hey, Matt, sorry about that. Appreciate you sticking with us here. I, I am curious, when you when you've watched the Cardinals over the last couple of weeks, and really this whole season from the Pirates perspective of things what's your impression of this Cardinals team well you've got some veteran leadership there that uh, that we lack so I'm envious of that you've got the obviously everybody knows about Yachty and uh, Adam Wainwright and Wayno has been really really good against us what the last three times out there so uh, there's a little bit of a stigma around the Cardinals ball club and, and in my opinion with it with the Pirates ball club um, 
you know, maybe I don't want to say intimidation because that's not the the right word, but, um, you know, sometimes you just feel like a team has your number. And I think uh, right now from this perspective, uh, we feel like the Cardinals are that team. So, you know, when, when things like that happen in baseball, you need your guys just to go out and play. But, um, you know, the Cardinals organization is, is an organization that from afar you always kind of admire. They're always able to, to put a winning ball club out on the field. Um, fun team to watch play. They compete. You know, even going back 15 years ago from from my days, it's not a fun place to go in and play, and it's not a fun team to have come in and play you because you feel like you're you're going to stand up and, and they're going to throw blows. And, um, you yeah, know, that's, that's what you want at this level. You want a team to compete against and just going to play hard and have some fun. How would you describe the season for Key Brian Hayes? I'm the biggest fan of this young man. I think he's going to be an awesome player. How would you describe uh, his rookie season? Well, I think up and down. Uh, when he's been healthy, he's been really good. And as advertised, uh, you know, he missed – almost a month and a half early in the year with a wrist injury. But, uh, you know, he's a young player. He's got some things to improve on. But, you know, the bat ball skill is really good. Uh, the defensive skill is plus-plus, in my opinion. I, I think he's going to be a guy that is going to challenge uh, Nolan Arenado for that gold glove every year, uh, which will be fun to watch. Two guys in the National League Central at third base that can pick it the way they can pick it to watch them play, but, um, you know, there's been some useful mistakes made. Obviously, the the missing first base on on home plate, uh, uh, on the home run, excuse me, missing first base a couple of months ago and, and being called out, you know, maybe slowing the game down, which is all normal stuff. Guys come to the big leagues and get to this level, and the game can be a little fast for them. So, you know, want to see them slow the game down a little bit and uh, – just trust the talent, but I, I think the kid's going to be really good as well. Matt, where do you feel like the Pirates are in their process right now? Because we all know how this works, right? You, you go for a, through a down stretch, and then hopefully you're you're swinging back up on the up, upward trajectory in the not too distant future. How far away is this team? Are, are we talking about a couple of years from now? They're hoping to get back into contention, or they is it five years? What's the, what do you think the timeline seems to be for the Pirates at this moment? No, I don't think it's five years. I, I think we're looking 23, 24. And I think we're going to surprise some people next year. Um, you know, Key Bryan having a full year under his belt. Some of these pitchers, JT Brubaker had a really nice start two nights ago. I really like his stuff. And I think when he, you know, figures out how to really maximize his arsenal, I think he's going to be a horse. Um, Will Crow had a nice start a couple of nights ago. He's got good stuff, good baseball change-up mix. And, you know, it's all going to come down to pitching. We've got the athletes behind the pitching, and we're loaded with athletes and talent in the lower level, uh, lower levels. Guys like Lyover Peguero, O'Neill Cruz. Um, we've got some guys that can pick it in the middle of the infield and, and can swing the bat. So I think we're going to score some runs in the coming years. Uh, we need to find those arms and find those guys that are here and those guys that are coming up behind us uh, that can throw strikes go after guys, trust their stuff, and try to get outs. And I still believe Mitch Keller is going to be one of those guys for us. I know there's been uh, a lot of ups and downs in, in the early starts of his career, but this guy's got really good stuff. He reminds me a lot of a guy that we had 
when I broke into the big leagues, Kip Wells, uh, just in how he handles himself, carries himself, and his stuff. Um, so I'd like to see, you know, Mitch take that next step and, you know, really be the, the, the ace of the staff. And, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But you guys know how it is. It's all going to come down to pitching in the long run. And uh, if we've got some arms that can throw strikes and get people out, we're going to be all right. What do the Pirates do with Gregory Polanco? So he was placed on outright waivers Sunday, cleared waivers, remains on the active roster. He's only 29. You have a lot of young guys that are around him. You still want to have that veteran leadership, and by all accounts, he's beloved in that clubhouse. So what do you think the uh, immediate and the long-term future is with Gregory Polanco? Well, the short answer is I really don't know. I'm I'm trying to figure that out for myself, but uh, you hit the nail on the head right there. That You're talking about a man that is absolutely adored by all his teammates, by everybody around this organization, and uh, he's a guy that goes out and plays hard. You know, everything came out that uh, he was placed on waivers. That's a pretty common thing that happens in baseball, especially with older guys on young teams that have big contracts. Um it's not uncommon for guys to get placed on waivers. It just doesn't normally get out. And in this situation, it did. It's an unfortunate thing that it did because it created an awkward scenario around it. Um, but half off to Gregory again. He handled it like the true pro that he is. Was in the lineup the next night. And wouldn't you know it, first play of the game, he goes back and makes a catch up against the right center field wall and saves the double. So he just shows up and plays. You know, it's unfortunate he got hurt when he got hurt. Had a couple of good years. And then, you know, the shoulder injury, which I can relate to. There's a lot of empathy there on my part with him. Coming back from a shoulder injury, whether you're a pitcher or a hitter, is not easy. You know, your shoulders are a big part of of being a baseball player. Obviously throwing. But um, the swing and having to make those adjustments and, you know, who knows, how healthy he really is or, or has gotten to after having it repaired. So I, I feel for him, but uh, I admire the way he's gone out, handled his business. And no matter what's happened in a game, Gregory Polanco shows up the next day and he's the same guy. He could have gone 0 for 5 with four strikeouts or 5 for 5 with two bombs. And he shows up the next day and he's got that big smile on his face, that infectious smile and laugh and, there's a reason why his teammates and everybody around him just absolutely love him. Matt Caps is our guest, former major league pitcher, now Pirates analyst joining us here on 101 ESPN. Hey, Matt, final question that I've got for you. You mentioned the, the shoulder issue that you dealt with. The Cardinals have Jack Flaherty now on the injured list, and he's got shoulder inf- uh, inflammation. I guess they're saying it's a sprain for him. When you're a pitcher trying to come back from any sort of shoulder injury, what are some of the difficulties of that? If you were kind of talking to Jack Flaherty right now, what would you tell him about what, what he's about to potentially go through? Uh, I would tell him patience is a virtue, and, and as hard as it's going to be, be patient. I don't know the, the depth of, of what he's dealing with. Um, is he having surgery? He's not having surgery. Not that we know of, no. Right now they're saying it looks like everything's intact structurally, but it's, it's a sprain that they're not sure how long it's going to keep him out. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's no fun. It's no fun at all. I feel for you. But do the work. Get that shoulder and everything around that shoulder as strong as you can possibly get it. 
And maybe it's something that's pushed pushed into the off season where he'll have some time to really let everything calm down. But get into the off season, get into your strength and conditioning program, and get those small shoulder, everything surrounding the shoulder as strong as you possibly can to get through a full season. Um, surgery on that thing, and remember Dr. Andrews telling me, you know, even if we open that shoulder up and we do absolutely nothing, there's trauma in there. And the space with which the four tendons of the rotator cuff go through is such a small space that inevitably something's going to hurt, something's going to stick. It's just a process. It is, it is a process. And for me, after having the surgery, I had it in June of 2013. It was the all-star break of 16, my last year playing, before I felt normal. So it's, it takes time. So hopefully it's something he can handle with some rehab and doesn't require a surgery and you guys can get him back out. Hey, Matt, thanks for hopping on as always. We appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking down the line very soon and uh, we'll see how the Pirates and Cardinals fare in this four-game series. Thanks for doing this. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. As always, appreciate you. You got it. Thank you. That's uh, Matt Capps, former reliever and been a closer, did a lot of uh, various roles with the Pirates and in Major League Baseball, and now working as an analyst uh, with the Pirates. And by the way, the Pirates uh, won another series going into this series tonight. They took three or four against the Diamondbacks, still have not had a sweep yet this year. Um, and so they've got a little momentum, you know, just having taken two or three against St. Louis, now three or four against Arizona. And by the way, the Diamondbacks were playing better baseball before that. So it's not like they just went up against some nobody. It, it's going to be an important series for both teams here as the Pirates are trying to build something for the future and the Cardinals are trying to build for right now. A little bit of baseball news to pass along for you, Dan. I know you're a big fan of this guy, TJ Antone, who's just announced he is going to have uh, Tommy John surgery wow. on Friday. So you'd have to imagine he's probably going to be out for the entirety of certainly the rest of this year and potentially most of next year as well. That's a big loss for the Reds. Well, in my mind, he was the nastiest guy the Cardinals saw this year out of any bullpen. That's how highly I, I thought of him. He came into St. Louis, and I was like, who is this guy? He was awesome. He's got a whip below one on yeah. the season. 87 strikeouts and 69 career major league innings. So a big loss for the Reds, and that's going to hurt them in the bullpen. Throws hard, great slider. Maybe that explains the issue with the elbow. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. wonder if the uh, the pirates as they continue to progress and kind of retool their farm system if it's going to be a lot quicker than expected madcaps felt like hey they could surprise some people maybe next year and then the year after that you're looking at being a very good club they jumped um and this was reflected in the standings uh in terms of uh, major league baseball and their prospect list mlb pipelines 2021 midseason farm system the rankings were released uh, Tuesday. They landed at number four out of all 30 major league clubs. So they trailed only the Orioles, the Mariners, and the Marlins, and they jumped 11 spots. Mm. Now, they did a bunch of moves at the trade deadline, which is part of what happens with this. And also, when you pick one or two, you're going to jump because one of your prospects is considered uh, obviously one of the best in baseball. But that turnaround maybe isn't as quickly or isn't as long as as some would expect the other part of this too is that once those guys hit 
the big leagues, or when Key Brian Hayes hits arbitration or free agency, you have to keep him. I mean, that's one of the problems that they've had is that some of these guys, Garrett Cole, McCutcheon, others that you thought would be Pirates forever are not. So it's also about spending the money to keep players. Yeah, and you don't have to give out $300 million, but the guys that are just positive plus major leaguers, keep those guys. Keep them on the the Gregory Polanco deal, for example. $10 million per season. You should be able to have a few of those guys on your roster on any given year. So for when Brian Reynolds is up for arbitration, next year is his first year of arbitration. Dan, they should be trying to lock him up long-term right now. Sure. They should be trying to do And he has said publicly he wants to stay in Pittsburgh. And they should be trying to do the deal with Reynolds that the Cardinals had with Paul DeYoung, the Cardinals did with Colton Wong, Carlos Martinez. I know people now look at some of those deals and they're like, wow, that was bad. No, it wasn't. It was a smart deal by the Cardinals to get those done early. And on the back end, if it's not working out the way that you want it to, typically they have team options where they can get out of it the last couple of seasons if necessary. That's what the Pirates should be doing right now. That's what the smart teams around baseball are doing. We were talking yesterday, and I wanted to hear it officially from Yadier Molina that next year would be it for him. And because I've always said I won't believe it until I see it, until he says, okay, I'm done. He has come out and said he's done. Now, he did sign a three-year extension and said this would be my last contract. And, well, that now here we are a few years later, and it's not quite the last contract. But... He came out yesterday and talked about what uh, he wants to do post-playing career in terms of he sees how the Cardinals have treated their great players, the red jacket, all those things. And uh, Yachty yesterday said this will be it. I was planning to retire next year. And 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 last year in the free agency was, was tough for me. Uh, I didn't want to go through it with that again this year. I'm thinking about retiring next year, and then that that was in everything was in my mind. My Melvin know about it, um, and we decide to go tomorrow and tell him, hey, we, I want to finish this year uh, next year with 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 this great organization, um, and they did. I mean, they like most say everything happened like that, and it happened quickly. And John Mozalock was asked, uh, why do the contract right now? What's a better way for us to thank Yadi for his career? kick the can down the road, let him go fishing for your agency, and then try to sign him in January. I mean, like the man's earned a lot of respect and it's not just respect. It's, it's like, it's legit. It's you know, like, like we really do care about one another. And so like, for me, it, it, it wasn't a very complex exercise. It was more just like clear stuff off my desk so I can just address it. And like I said, it was, it was really swift. It probably would have gone faster, but Mal had to go fishing. So we can blame him. I guess he caught a Marlin. So anyway, Yachty was asked why next year. Why is next year going to be it? Well, it's enough. I mean, obviously, <laughs> uh, nineteen years is it's a long career. Uh, my position is a tough one, and and right now I, I I would like to do my best. I'm gonna train my body hard, and but it's hard. I mean, it's hard to keep keep up in this game. I'm um, to a high level right now. Um, when you thirty nine, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. And finally, does that mean that Wayno's coming too? Uh, last year, every day in the in the off season, almost every day, he called me like, "What are you gonna do? What are you gonna? You need to sign by you." Need to. So right now, it's my turn to do that. Right now, it's <laughs> my turn to call him every day and telling, "Hey, you need to come back because I need you." I can't do this by myself. So I was doing uh, some of the, the historic milestones here for Yachty. So 11 postseasons, 11 of his 18 years have been in postseason play. 
He's got two rings. He's been in four World Series, so four pennants, eight appearances. Eight of his 18 years have been in the NLCS. That's incredible. Major League Baseball's third best winning percentage when he's been behind the plate. Think about that. Among all-time catchers? In in his time of 18 years, over the last 18 years. So that time frame when he came up, the Cardinals have the third best winning percentage. Ten-time All-Star, nine gold gloves, four platinum, uh, silver slugger. He's won the Clemente Award. Fourth in games caught, game started. Fifth most in innings caught. And tenth all-time in caught stealing percentage at 40.5%. Now, some people would say, okay, do you um, uh, bring him back at $10 million? Well, on the surface, you say, is he a $10 million player? Probably not anymore. Uh, the offense, you're starting to see a regression a little bit, especially here in the second half. Defensively, still love him, especially catch and throw. He's sensational. But what I just said in that resume is why you pay him to finish in St. Louis. It's why you want him in your uniform for 19 years. It's why he wears a Cardinal cap going into the Hall of Fame. It's why he's going to be a red jacket, probably keeps a hand in the Cardinals organization in some kind of role once uh, he decides to retire at the end of next season. That's why he's worth $10 million. The other thing is he's going to bring butts to the the fans are going to come out to watch him. They're going to put butts in the seats to see him. There's going to be people that have right now that are listening that have some kid, son or daughter, that's two, three, whatever, has not been to a Cardinal game. And they're going to say, yep, got a chance to watch number four play because you're never going to see another guy like that with one team. It's not going to happen. I don't I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. I really don't think that. And if Wayne comes back, they're going to have the all time record potentially of starts together in the history of the game. So when you think about free agency on both the player side, organization side, how tough it is to come together and be kumbaya over 19 years, not easy to do. They're going to be able to do that. Guy spends his entire career in the years of free agency in sports, in one uniform, what he's meant to winning in this organization. The fact he's a Hall of Famer, all those things add up as to why you bring him back. And to me, it was a no-brainer. You do it. I'm with you. And I'm also very happy they got this done early, Dan, because now you go into the offseason and every year these general managers, president of baseball operations, they have a budget. It's given to them by the ownership group and they know what they're roughly willing and able to spend in the offseason. So the Cardinals know that. I don't know what that number is. I don't know what it's going to be or if it could change over the course of the offseason. But this allows you to now work around the $10 million that you have earmarked for Yadier Molina on your payroll going into the next year. I hope they're able to do something similar with Adam Wainwright as soon as they possibly can. Once you get a firm answer from Wayne on whether or not he wants to come back next year, get that deal done. Let's know exactly what it's going to cost to get him done. And then you can go into the open market going into the offseason and you know exactly how much flexibility you have to spend on other players. To your point on the $10 million, the only way it's an issue, and I hope that this is not the case and I don't foresee it to be the case. The only way it becomes an issue is if they then look at that $10 million and say, because of that, we can't go add more talent from the outside. And $10 million for this team, given what their payroll flexibility is in the offseason, that's not going to be something that does that. No. And uh, I wonder, too, now kind of advancing the story, and we're just talking about the reasons why he's coming back, but if the organization feels more um, pressure to try to put a winner around those guys in their final year. I, I believe anyway, whether or not they were coming back, they're going to feel pressure to put uh, a different product on the field next year. And especially it's just dollars and cents, a lot of money coming off the books. So they're going to be able to address some of their deficiencies. 
But I do wonder if that's something they think about and go, you know what? It's a last go with these guys. Let's put the best um, product that we can. I, I said this on the morning show. This team is not that far away, especially when they address their bullpen situation. Even dealing with the injuries, every team has injuries. It's not an excuse. You find ways to win. Um, but, man, if, if you take away what happened in June with the pitching and win some of those games that were very winnable, it's a different mindset of what you have going into this series with Pittsburgh. So they're, they're really not that far away. I don't believe that. I'm totally with you. Been saying it all year long. I do and believe that they're not that far away, I it, should say. It, it feels like they're far away because of what we're watching on a night-in, night-out basis. But if they add a little bit of depth, Dan, I'm kind of almost – I want them to go get that shortstop because I think it'd be remarkable to watch that in their lineup. And maybe they will. If they're not willing to play in that market, though, because we've seen a a hesitancy to go those eight, 10 year contracts from this team. I actually think there is a case to be made that it might even be the right route to go with more depth. You go with some platoons. Maybe you do play Harrison Bader exclusively against left-handed pitching next year. Maybe you do the same thing with Tommy Edmond, and you've got a lefty bat at second base and one in the outfield that makes you a little bit better. You add depth to the bullpen. You have more starting pitching, whether that be down in the minors or guys that can contribute at the big league level. Depth might be the route for this team to go, and the formula is what we saw this year from the Giants. They looked like they were really far away. But then you get a couple of breakout seasons. You get a couple of guys that come in and play back to their career norms. You add the depth via free agency and trades, and boom, suddenly you're the best team in the National League. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. And find out more at SummersWealthManagement.com. SummersWealthManagement.com. Great uh, people. Met with them last week, and they're the proud sponsor of our program. So uh, we have got lined up Miles Michaelis, Mitch Keller tonight. Jay Happ, Dylan Peters, Game 2. Wayne Wright, Stephen Brault, Game 3. I'm going to go ahead and say Kim in Game 4 against Will Crow. We don't know that for sure because of the uh, injury to Jack Flaherty. It's an important series. It begins tonight. You can see it 5.30 on Valley Sports. BK is saying you got to win all four. Uh, I'd love to see him win all four. I'll go three out of four. Split ain't going to cut it anymore. You got to start winning three out of four, if not four out of four, especially against teams like this. So here's a question for you, Dan. If you're looking at the lineup and you know how much we love doing these things, do you put Newt Bar out there in your lineup today? That's a good question. Righty on the mound because you've got two lefties coming up. So if you don't put him out there today, you're not starting him the next two days. Do you give him an opportunity today against Keller? Last time around, the Cardinals couldn't hit him. Maybe you you try going with a matchup this time. Maybe. And so you're going to sit Bader? Yeah, that's what I would do. Okay, I guess it or would be. depending on what happens with on Tyler, O'Neal. Tyler O'Neal. If he's yeah. unavailable, then it's easy. And you just put uh, Carlson in left or you move. You probably move Newtbar over to left. I think the Cardinals are going to ride out Bader. Let him try to get back on track now with the lefties going back-to-back or what you have here. You've got uh, back-to-back with P- uh, Peters and Brault. Mm-hmm. He's definitely in the lineup. Absolutely. I don't know. I, I That's a good question. I'll be curious to see what they decide to do there. And I'm also curious to see what they do at shortstop in this series. I I wonder I'm if it's you. two out of four. They just split the series between, uh, between the two of them. But those are the two spots right now that are maybe most intriguing to me over the next week or two to see how they'd uh, determine the playing time.
Are you uh, flying solo again today? I am with Tanner Hendrickson today. Looking forward to it. Coming up at 1130, Dan, we are officially in week zero of college football. I can't believe we're actually calling it that. But Jeremy Werner, Illini Inquirer, he's the publisher over there. I want to get a college football preview from the Illinois side of things. And Gabe DeArmond of Power Mizzou. We'll do a quick Seven, ten minutes on either of those two teams coming up at 1130. Jonathan Mayo of MLB Pipeline is going to join the show coming up at 1215 to tell us about Matthew Libertor and Nolan Gorman. Uh, let's see. Libertor now has had four really good starts in a row. His last three, I think he's gone seven or more mm-hmm. in each of the three. By the way, does uh, Mizzou kick off in two weekends? Or is it three? Next weekend. So not this weekend, weekend, but the following weekend. Yeah, they've got their opener against Central Michigan, I Holy believe. Holy cow. Uh, Labor Day weekend is when that wow. begins. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Where's the time gone? All right. Illinois starts tomorrow night. Illinois versus Nebraska. Unbelievable. So no non-conference for them. They go right into it. Right into it. And I, I can't wait because I, Dan, you know I'm a Mizzou guy through and through. I hate Nebraska so much more than I hate Illinois. I can't wait for Illinois, fingers crossed, to kick the bleep out of Nebraska and for all of those Nebraska fans to be going crazy about Frost. I can't wait for it. It's going to be great. He's he's on thin ice right now. And he's got a lot of money owed to him. It's going to be great. All right. Looking forward to it. That's uh, coming up on BK and Tanner. Tanner's always great job lining up the guests. Look at you smiling just a bit. Come on, smile. (laughs) Just say thanks and let's move forward. (laughs) Thanks and let's move forward. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.